This is Lisa Picot playing Mindy on Married with Children, Kelly's friend. This is Harold Sylvester, also known as Griff. And, and you're you listening, listening to, to the Married, Married with Children, with Children podcast. podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the sixth annual Miss Spring Break Contest, sponsored by the new children's breakfast cereal, Nothing But Sugar. <laughs> now with Ritalin. <laughs> and I'm your MC, popular rock TV VJ and star of three busted pilots for Fox, Dangerous Dan Inwood. Ha! Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Welcome back to the Merry with Children podcast. I'm Tyler. This episode is brought to you by the Cologne High Karate, the cologne that girls can't resist. Wow. Who do I have with me today? Well, I'm Stephen, and I'm quitting teaching and podcasting in Cell Cans. I'll make much more. You couldn't make less. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and. I'm Stefan, and this podcast is also brought to you by the new breakfast cereal, Nothing But Sugar, now with Ritalin. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's true in this day and age. Ew. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's, uh, I think, uh, yeah, Ritalin and Adderall, they've replaced the Prozac and... Uh, antidepressant jokes from the uh, mm-hmm. early 90s. Well, I still take antidepressants because I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> take that uh, uh, Braves hat off, yeah. sir. This episode is Spring Break Part 2. Originally aired on February 25th, 1996. Directed by Jerry Cohen and written by Calvin Brown. The guest stars Harold Sylvester as Griff. S. Kyle Parker as Ahmed, Dave Ruby as Hummer, Sean Michael Howard as Barney, Lisa Picote as Mindy, Lisa Boyle as Fawn, Heidi Mark as Ashley, Chris Hardwick as Dan Inwood, Mickey Jones as Parley Wayne, Tanya Watts as Scarlett, Renee Tennyson as Marla, Denise Holsey as Waitress, Brad Nichol as Lifeguard 1, Scott Gurney as Lifeguard 2, Marie Caldare as Claudia, Todd Glass as Policeman, Meadow Williams as Angela, and Warren Tabata as Judge Wong. Man, that's a lot of guest stars. Yeah. A lot of the same people from Spring Break Part 1. Yeah, but we still have a lot more in here. I mean, there's at least maybe 10 or 12 guest stars. That's amazing. Absolutely. Get ready for Beach Blanket Bundy. This is my impression of a great marriage. A beautiful girl to keep me buzzed while the wife is out of town. A brand new Married with Children tonight. I was going to give our listeners a recap of the episode, but luckily for you, Lucky the dog uh, does it for us. Previously on Married with Children, Bud and his frat brothers had tickets to spring break. <laughs> <laughs> Until Kelly and her girlfriends tricked them out of their tickets to Fort Lauderdale. 
Kelly's running for Miss Spring Break, and Jefferson is one of the judges. Alan Griff didn't need much convincing to join Jefferson. Which inspired Marcy, Bud, and his cool friends to head south. Road trip! <laughs> Destination, Fort Lauderdale! So now, thanks to state-of-the-art graphics, courtesy of Columbia Pictures Television, let's rejoin Married with Children. Shouldn't this be the um, Lucky the Hungriest Dog in the World podcast now? <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. But uh, I think I liked it better when it was Buck, King of All Dogs. Oh, uh, I'm growing to like Lucky. It's the same spirit, and it's kind of like real life. You know, like, you're going to get a new dog yeah. eventually, sadly. But the same spirit. Okay. Anyway, this one picks up right after the last one ended, when Marcy gets the boys and heads to Fort Lauderdale. Ninety-eight luscious hooters on the wall. Ninety-eight luscious hooters. If a pair of those hooters should happen to fall, ninety-six luscious hooters on the wall. Ninety-six luscious hooters on the wall. Are you idiots? Shut up. Sorry, Mrs. Darcy. We're just trying to take our minds off what Kelly and the, the Easy Riders did to us. Well, it's a long drive to Fort Lauderdale, so I suggest that you enjoy the beauty of this great country of ours. I had to point this out because it starts out with a car on a map and a hand moving the car. This seems like a recurring joke. It does. And I'm sure we all know what this is a reference to. Um, it's This is from Indiana Jones, the map going across. But I've never seen it done this way. It's very cute in a way. I like it. It's not using special effects. This almost seems like you would see something like this on SNL. Uh, so basically, listeners, in case you haven't watched the episode, what this is is a board or a poster of the United States, like you would see on a kid's coloring map, with a toy car, and visually you see hands open the car door, like a matchbox car, and as they shut it, you hear stock sound of like car doors start, like like hit and then when you see a hand pretend to turn a key you hear a car engine start up and as they move the car you hear audio of them doing their trip across America 98 luscious hooters on the wall 98 luscious hooters on the wall I I could uh, a road trip with all of them would just be insufferable I feel bad for Marcy It reminds me too and I've mentioned my love for this episode before uh Poppies by the Tree they do they do a similar map effect, but it's yeah. only a oh, line. Oh God! They're like Al, where are the kids? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like backtrack. <laughs> I did like the fact that there was less of the of the Buzz Fraternity Brothers. Yeah, they do show up later in a in a weird way. <laughs> it's at the end, and I've noticed that uh, you know Hummer had more lines. Ahmed, most of his lines are off screen. And that other guy, I think his name was Bruce or something, he didn't have any lines at all. Yeah, he had none. Perhaps they cut some stuff and we could, I love saying this guys out loud, but 
we could totally uh, ask Michael Moye if we wanted to, but <laughs> uh, maybe they cut some stuff after they aired the first episode, and maybe uh, America didn't react too well with the kids either, and they hacked some stuff out and just held it on the main cast out in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for the game of chicken. See you guys at the hot tub. All right. right. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) Oh, gentlemen, is this not the greatest day of our shoulders, necks, and backs? (laughs) This is the life, huh? A vacation paid for with money from a fraternity scholarship fund. (laughs) It doesn't get any better than this. Uh, It just did. Here you go, gents. Compliments of the girls in the hot tub. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and uh, here you go, miss. Uh, (laughs) Compliments of some needy kid's education. (laughs) Now see, that's my idea of marriage. A gorgeous girl keeps me buzzed all the time while the wife's out of town. That settles it. Al Bundy is moving to Fort Lauderdale. That's a nice fantasy, Al, but what about your job? Well, I'll just get some other profession. I'll, uh... Here. Here, I'll sell cans. <laughs> I'll make more money selling cans than I ever made selling shoes. You couldn't make less. <laughs> hey, guys. I say we go up to our suite, slap on a little more high karate, and, uh... Join the babes in the hot tub. <laughs> Hi, karate. But Cologne, the chicks just can't resist. <laughs> yeah, and when we get to Fort Lauderdale, I loved Al's lines here. The conversation, Al Bundy is moving to Florida, to Fort Lauderdale. That's a nice fantasy, says Griff, but what about your job? Al says, well, I'll just go to some other profession. Here, I'll sell cans. I'll make more money selling cans than I ever made selling shoes. Griff says, you couldn't make any less. It seems, with the exception of Griff's uh, really funny remark to that line that seems staged, everything Al said sounds like something I might say having a really happy, nice vacation Mm -hmm. in the spur of the moment. When you get Griff, Jefferson, and Al together... That's almost like, that's even better than the Three Stooges. (laughs) It really is. Their chemistry, those three together are, you're right. Like, Mm -hmm. the chemistry between them is incredible. But let's remind our audience exactly why Kelly is there. She is there for the the trashiest contest I've ever heard in my life. The Spring Break uh, Beauty Queen or Beauty Contest. funky smell it smells like geezer (laughs) you guys i'm starting to get a little nervous about this pageant tomorrow i mean i've never been in one that turned out to be real (laughs) kelly the key is to impress the judges okay first you walk prim and proper down the runway to show the judges that you have class and then you shake your money maker to get their votes (laughs) (laughs) Then what? 
talent. I suggest how many licks of a Tootsie Pop does it take to make you miss spring break? <laughs> this also works if you're ever pulled over for speeding. <laughs> then they're gonna ask you some politically correct question. You just answer, I wanna save the earth and the ozone layer. Okay, what's the ozone layer? It's between the end zone and the P zone layer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we gotta save that. Mm -hmm. And the Earth, too, because uh, once the Earth goes, the planet's gonna be next. <laughs> There's guys coming! Oh. Um, I wanted to, I touched on this a little bit in part one. So this spring break, you know, contest that they're doing here, pageant, which I love <laughs> how Kelly was like, I mean, I've done pageants before, <laughs> but they didn't turn out to be real. Oh, that's so creepy. You know, it it made me think of uh, yeah. the, the Weenie Tots episode. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah, made me think of that. So I mentioned a little bit before, and this, this whole episode makes me nostalgic. Um, the, the days of MTV mm. Spring Break, the mm. late 90s, mm. early 2000s. Tyler, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, and uh, I <laughs> sadly... I was not allowed to watch MTV. Mm. Um, my parents thought that, that was a dangerous thing for a young mind. They were probably right. Yeah. And uh, But I do remember the perfectly... I, I saw clips at friends' houses, mm. and I understood that the Simpsons ripoff of this was spot on. Oh that I love the, the, the Gator, the Gator episode. Oh, that's... Great when they kick Great. when they kicked that uh, host off because she turned thirty four. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a great. No, great I'm only thirty four. You're too old. Get out. <laughs> like in the middle of recording. <laughs> You're stealing my trailer. I like that. <laughs> I like that. You're hired. Um, that episode actually has one of the only times I remember my parents laughing at The Simpsons. My mom just slash grandma bursting out was when um, Homer starts to put his keys in there and Lisa's like, Dad, you can't drive. They've got your license. We'll see about that. And he turns the key and it turns out he goes, oh, it worked. It's a miracle. <laughs> yeah, They tow the line so carefully of creepy daddy-daughter stuff. With Kelly and Al. Uh, from the line, what's that funky smell? It smells like geezer. And I'm like, should Kelly know the smell of her own father enough to pick it up in a room? That's a little... Mm. I would think so, because she knows, you, you know, it's pointed out that he doesn't shower very often. Mm. And the thing that bugs me is that... It's Fort Lauderdale in spring break. There's a lot of smelly dudes. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, another thing that just stuck out to me was that, you know, Al and Griff and um, Jefferson have all just left. And the girls come down and they just sit right on these towels. Yeah. You know, someone's obviously already been there. Yeah, I'm like, is that proper? Is that just Fort Lauderdale etiquette? I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Well, they're, well, Kelly and her entourage are just, you know... Entitled bitches, let's face it. <laughs> Wait, Stefan, you mean Kelly and her two insanely hot friends and their one dorky, disgusting-looking friend because of the glasses? 
He's not a disgusting looking friend. Oh, oh, right. Allegedly. Well, it, it, it we, 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 as we talked about, um, on the uh, first part, you know, the whole like glasses and bound hair, well, the, the, the nineties trope that'll make, yeah, she's nasty. Get off the beach. She's disgusting. Yeah. Yep, she's not absolutely drop dead gorgeous as she absolutely is, but yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, and I gotta, I gotta say, someone like Ashley, and I'm picking Ashley out here because she just, I know she's a, like the stereotypical '90s hot chick, but she, I mean, even as a gay man, I can acknowledge when a woman is attractive, but she doesn't do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, I, I couldn't tell because you know what, I was like. All these girls are conventionally attractive, but I couldn't tell where you were going with that. I'm like, is this going to be a burn or a uh, compliment? I can't tell. Now, which one was Ashley? Was that the the other blonde? The the, the other blonde, yeah. The okay, other, yeah, the because Fawn, I thought, was beautiful. Oh, Fawn really... is. Fawn Fon, Fon out of the four of them was the most attractive, in my opinion. Oh, I would agree on that. Hey, Mom, yeah. did you catch me in Married with Children last night? What were you cast as? The other blonde. <laughs> yeah. oh, and yeah. I do have to tell you one thing. They were talking about being um, politically correct in their in their statements at the beauty pageant. And Kelly mentions what's the ozone layer. And Lisa said it's between the N and the P zone layer. And I finally got that. Oh, because you I didn't thought get for that? Years, well, no, the thing really? was... For years, I thought she said end zone, not end zone. Oh, that's a better oh. end zone in a football field. Yeah. But I, I, I think as is, it's pretty funny. Or, uh, I think it's funny, too. I just didn't catch that for years. I thought it was end zone instead of end zone. I wasn't paying attention to any of the... Uh, I got the joke immediately, Stephen, but I was more impressed with Kelly's reaction well, you know, we have to take care of the uh, planet because after that goes, the Earth's next. Right. <laughs> oh, no, she said, because um, once the planet goes, we're next. <laughs> no, she said the Earth. Once the Earth goes, the planet's next. Oh, okay, I flipped it around. Right. You know what? Still funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I-, I love the little, also the little line there. How uh, I suggest how many licks of the Tootsie Pop does it, take to make you miss spring break oh again how are you getting away with this Ugh. well this was sweeps week yeah that's right and sweeps month but the thing is she was mimicking licking the tootsie pop in mm-hmm. such a provocative way i'm thinking good lord they really pushed the envelope here dude they have a girl eating a banana later yeah i i yeah. had that in my notes too <laughs> implied but still oh they cut away just in my i was like i was watching this while i was donating plasma today and sometimes when i'm watching stuff while donating it'll get into the rated m category rated r category and i'll put the phone closer to me so no one sees it in the background i actually thought i'd have to do this with mary with children when she starts peeling that banana and that very revealing bikini i'm like whoa uh, and not safe for work, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, howdy, folks. Harley Wayne, at your service. Hi. My German luxury sedan has broken down after running over one of your state birds. The possum. I'll be needing a tow truck. Well, hell, I'd like a tow truck, too. I'd also like a new wife and some more tea. Look, ZZ Top. We have got to get to Florida. You keep on calling me names and you just might land there. Uh, look, uh, Mr. Wayne. No, no. Parley Wayne is my first name. Last name is Rockefeller. Had to drop it, though. I uh, couldn't spell it. Look, there's, there's got to be a way out of here. I mean, a car, bicycle, horse you're not dating at the moment. You know, I do have a truck for rent. How much do you want? A thousand dollars. And uh, leave the fat boy here. That is an outrage. Yeah, we don't have a thousand dollars. Oh, the heck with him. We'll just walk to the next mechanic. Now, where would that be? Memphis. You know, I sure am gonna miss Hummer. Yeah, but on the bright side, the backseat will no longer smell like sweet tarts. Does anybody remember the name of this Rom Zombie looking gas station that they pull up to? I don't remember the name of the station. I remember the name of the guy. is Harley mm-hmm. Wayne, played by Mickey Jones. Yes, it, this... Or actually, his name was Parley, Parley Wayne Rockefeller, but he dropped Rockefeller because he couldn't spell it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And this gas. So, yeah, this gas station in guys, I am. I've only I've been recently watching Rob Zombie movies. I think I just watched uh, 31 and oh, I was getting such get creepy gas station vibes off this guy. And I was right because the way they get they bar, they rent his truck right for a thousand dollars. Yeah, and for the and for the fat boy. Oh, I'm I'm yeah, surprised same. they got away with that. Uh, that was outrageous. I mean, they didn't have a thousand dollars. Funny. <laughs> That's one of my favorite. I love that line, and you know, I like to pull that a lot too. Like. Uh, Recently, uh, it was a couple of years ago, somebody in the high up in Washington had his MySpace account hacked. And my comment was on Facebook was, he just had his Facebook MySpace account book hacked, and he's an intelligence. That's outrageous. He still has a MySpace right. account? Speaking, um, <laughs> check off on it, as we said on my old podcast for later, um, Chris Hardwick, in one of his like stand-up specials from like 10 years ago, uh, talked about like how he viewed his old MySpace page as like abandoned Detroit in, um, in RoboCop. It's so funny, (laughs) (laughs) funny, funny enough, Tyler, you mentioned, um, a Rob zombie movie because I pulled up the IMDb page for Mickey Jones and the first video. I don't know if it's a Rob zombie movie, but it's that guy from one of the guys from the devil's rejects. Oh, it's probably Ted Mosley. I'm mm. not sure because he wasn't in 
this guy wasn't in Devil's Rejects. I know that for sure. Oh, then I don't. I wouldn't know. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's very hillbilly-ish. This whole scene, which I'll bring this up on my final review, but just a little preview for it. It's one of the weak points of the episode because it's funny, but mm-hmm. they should do more because they don't. And we all of this is to get back to the beach where. I think they actually want to want to be. Uh, real quick, also, I do think that Mickey that scene with Mickey Jones is like maybe an homage to um, Deliverance. Oh, for sure, that movie. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'll tell you what. I'll yeah. play it on my guitar for you someday. Okay, <laughs> I know how to do the guitar part. <laughs> and I love, I love Marcy's comments in that scene. I think, and I think we even in the the Facebook group. This was a post, and I, I definitely commented where she's like, listen, ZZ Top. <laughs> and we yeah. ran over your, your yeah. state bird, the possum. <laughs> it's a thud of a line, ZZ Top, but it's very realistic, because I could see someone saying oh, that in real life to somebody who looks like Rockefeller. Before we move on uh, too much, could we touch on uh, Mickey Jones? very briefly yeah um i was just gonna say yeah he was a very uh uh, prolific character actor uh for years 140 credits Mm -hmm. to his name on imdb i most remember him from home improvement he played he played an identical role like a more a more like like sophisticated version of his character in this episode uh pete was his name he was a friend of uh, uh tim he was on a construction company, uh, K&B Construction Company, I think, and they made regular appearances once, or they made some semi-regular appearances. Mm, yeah, that's right. Show. Yeah, haven't watched that show in a long time. I want to say on the side, that is one show that I think, especially with Last Man Standing having ended, they should try that for a revival. Home Improvement? Yeah. Yeah, that was a good show. A revival with Tim I mean, Allen? I think for a story, they should have him and Al uh, revive Home Improvement as like a web series or a podcast or, you know, give it a modern twist. I will say that my boyfriend uh, knows somebody who uh, picked Tim Allen up from the airport and he said he did not tip him at all. But anyway, so the boys and Marcy are making their treacherous trip. Uh, Well, boys minus one of them who was left behind are making their way to Fort Lauderdale where Al and Griff and Jefferson are already there as well as um, Kelly and her friends. And they're doing kind of a, I thought they were going to do this longer, but kind of like a romantic comedy in a creepy way because Al and Kelly keep like walking past each other without noticing that they're there. And it's, it's interesting that they kind of like held off them meeting for a really funny scene. <laughs> well, you might remember me from Desert Storm. <laughs> I'm former presidential hopeful Colin Powell. <laughs> I was going to throw my support behind you. Well, you still can. <laughs> And then we go into this area where we have to have all these pop cultural references. Of course, I kind of like in Griff. 
he's dancing with that one girl and he says you might remember me from desert storm my former presidential hopeful colin powell r.i.p <laughs> colin powell was born april 5th oh. 1937 he was an American politician and a retired four-star general in the United States Army. During his military career, Powell also served as National Security Advisor from 87 to 89 as Commander of the U.S. Armed Forces Command and as Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff from 1989 to 93. Holding the latter position during the Persian Gulf War, Powell was also the first and so far the only Jamaican-American to serve on the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He was the 65th United States Secretary of State, serving under former President George W. Bush from 2001 to 2005. And he was the first black person to serve that position. Sadly, he passed away in 2021. And it was from COVID. Yep, a breakthrough case, too. Yeah, well, he was very old, yep. too. And so that is mm-hmm. going to have more breakthrough cases. Yeah. Jefferson! My life has never been better. Already made three bucks collecting cans. <laughs> the babes don't realize that while I'm dancing, I'm working. <laughs> we are so cool. <laughs> Excuse me, Kelly. It's okay, Dad. <laughs> Pumpkin, what are you doing here? I'm in the Miss Spring Break pageant. What are you doing here? I live here. Hey, Kelly, who are your dad's friends? <laughs> well, we're Al's good buddies. I'm Wesley Snipes. <laughs> and I'm uh, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> I loved you guys in White Men Can't Oh, my God. Isn't that George Clooney? Star that hit TV show, Er? <laughs> And then Griff goes on. Who does he pretend to be next? That's what kills me. Griff is trying very hard to find a mate mm-hmm. in this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no other way I could say it. <laughs> I mean, when when in Fort Lauderdale for spring break? I don't think he ever wants to leave. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> or if he does, he wants to take back something with him. <laughs> yeah, but, he, but who does he pretend to be next? Do you remember? Wesley Snipes. Yeah. I love that. And Jefferson says, and I'm Woody Harrelson. <laughs> While pulls up his, his hair. <laughs> that, that, that was great. The whole, um, yeah, the pushed back hairline. Was... Yeah. I mean, they're kind of, that's, I mean, Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson are good choices. But why wouldn't you start with George Clooney, the star of the hit TV show, Er? <laughs> er. <laughs> or, no, he was Batman. Very, not, not yet, yet. <laughs> not yet, and uh, unfortunately, he regretted that. But, yeah, uh, Tyler. Yeah, even he. I, I'm listening. I'm I was going to say, why don't you tell us about Wesley Snipes and who he was? I was getting ready to say that once you two finished your. Uh, I'm sorry. Game. All right. <laughs> no, it's all good. I'm going to keep that in. That was cute banter right there. So, Wesley Snipes, or Wesley Trent Snipes, was born in Orlando, Florida, to Marion Long, a teacher's assistant, and SMSGT Wesley Rudolph Snipes, an aircraft engineer. He grew up on the streets of the South Bronx in New York City, where he very early decided that that dance and theater were to be his career. He attended high school for the performing arts, 
but he moved to Orlando, Florida, before he could graduate. As a recipient of a Victor Board Scholarship, Snipes entered the world-renowned professional theater arts program at Sunny Purchase in New York, now Purchase College, where he honed his theatrical performance and martial arts skills. Graduating with a BFA, he went on to co-star in a few soap operas and nighttime dramas and Broadway. It was there in Broadway theater as an agent saw him on stage and invited him to audition for his first feature film, Wildcats, co-starring with Woody Harrelson. He also starred in White Men Can't Jump, and he was also a major, also in Major League, and moved more towards the action thrillers like Passenger 57, Rising Sun, Drop Zone, Demolition Man, and the Blade trilogy. Yeah, you know Blade, the, the vampire? The first ever comic well, book movie? It wasn't the first ever, but it was one of the earlier ones, yes. The first Marvel. Yep. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And S- Stephen, why don't you tell us a little bit about Woody Harrelson? Woody Harrelson. As an Academy Award nominated and Emmy winning actor, award winning actor Woodrow Tracy Harrelson, born on July 23rd, 1961, in Midland, Texas. However, he grew up in Lebanon, Ohio, after receiving degrees in theater arts and English from Hanover College. He had a brief stint in New York theater. He was soon cast as Woody on TV series Cheers, which wound up as being one of his most popular TV shows ever. He also earned uh, Harrelson an Emmy for his performance in 1989. He also starred in White Man Can't Jump, Doc Hollywood, Indecent Proposal, Natural Born Killers, and The People vs. Larry Flint, and one of my more recent favorites, Zombieland. And Stefan, why don't you give us a little background on George Clooney? <laughs> so George Clooney, born May 6, 1961, starred in ER, also known as Er. <laughs> and went on to movies like The Peacemaker, Leatherheads, which uh, was about my hometown, Duluth, Minnesota, Hail Caesar, and unfortunately, Batman and Robin, which even he hated. <laughs> I will always have a soft spot for Batman and Robin. It was it was fun. He was miscast to holy hell, but it was it was fun. It was fascinating. I'm happy it exists, but I probably would have hated the crap out of it watching it for the first time yeah i did <laughs> it was a departure from the world that was set up and i don't like it i think it started with batman forever actually with val kilmer replaced uh, replaced michael keaton and i know val kilmer's hard to work with he's been notorious for that and that's probably why they got george clooney but at, you know i look at it this way also that if it wasn't for batman and robin we would not have gotten Batman Begins by Christopher Nolan. That's true. I mean, it was the beginning, and that was back before listeners who are a little younger than even me have to rem- have to know this. When the, the Batman movies that we're referring to that came out, the Tim Burton ones, this was back before studios thought comic book movies would sell and that you had to be weird and campy and silly you couldn't be serious christopher nolan was the first time batman was serious and he has been serious forever (laughs) after that and as much as i love the christopher nolan batman movies and i do keep in mind that if batman and robin would have been successful we would have had batman triumphant which would have had Jeff Goldblum as the Scarecrow and, Madon- oh. and Madonna as Harley Quinn. 
in some beautiful world, Stefan, you and me could travel to that universe and watch that movie amazingly. Yes. But sadly, it was not meant to be. I was going to say, yeah, with Woody Harrelson, I, I fucking love Natural Born Killers. Hope you I both have seen, seen that. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's so good. Although my favorite Woody Harrelson movie is still, because I just saw it uh, fairly recently, uh, was yeah, Zombie. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. It's when he could channel that craziness he has so well. Okay. Uh, have you guys seen True Detective? I'm watching that right now for the first time. I have not seen that too. He's so, uh, he's so. Oh yeah, he's the okay. he's the main star. Him and uh, Matthew McConaughey. I remember seeing Woody and uh, Larry Flint, or the People versus Larry Flint, and he did such a remarkable portrayal of Larry Flint in there. It was incredible. Of course, I love Woody Harrelson the most because actually the first thing I ever saw him in was the first thing everybody saw him in. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, I didn't know who Woody Harrelson was. I watched Cheers for the first time, binged the whole thing when I was 17 on DVDs, and I thought I would hate it when Coach was gone. And I was like, this yokel idiot's not going to be able to replace my love of Coach. And just like a new pet, it doesn't replace, it just extends. You know, the creators of Cheers did a smart thing. They didn't try and just find a replacement. Like uh, in MASH, I always like to talk about mm-hmm. how BJ was, when he came in, he was just another Trapper John. I always appreciate when they do something different. Like when Winchester came in, he wasn't going to be a buffoonish Frank Burns. And I feel the same way with Woody Harrelson. He wasn't just another coach. He was just a totally different character. Mm-hmm. Or Lucky the Dog. So Or Seven. <laughs> <laughs> we don't speak we don't talk about that. I, I your for- only the only yeah, the David I beg Fincher your forgiveness. Movie. Never. <laughs> I beg your all's forgiveness. Oh, speaking of which, uh, Stephen, uh, you liked the movie Seven, right? Yes, I did. Oh, then you're definitely going to like the new Batman movie. All right, just want to yes. say that's the going to only- see it tomorrow. Going to see it tomorrow. Oh, uh, you're going to love it. That's my own. I respectfully, someone gave me that as the only spoiler I had walking in, and I'm happy I read that before I walked in because it made me. I've heard a lot of people. Can yeah, I'm sorry, but I've heard a lot of people comparing it to Seven. Kelly and Al finally meet up in our next scene. So, Daddy, are you going to come see me in the pageant tomorrow? No, Kelly, I am not. No self-respecting can man would watch his only daughter be gawked at by a bunch of drunken riffraff for cheap prizes. It means $100,000 to us, Daddy. Here, take some cans. Go buy yourself a bikini. Now, I personally love how much fun everybody looks like they're having in this episode i can tell usually when the heart is not in it after reviewing so many of these episodes and from my point of view i think al griff jefferson the girls oh absolutely even the extras everyone looks like they're just having a ton of fun on this fake beach I think we mentioned this last week that uh, I remember Harold Sylvester in his interview saying he enjoyed making this two-parter a lot. That might be why my instinct is uh, <laughs> is, is kicking in, because I'm just remembering that now. You're right. If you guys haven't listened to our interview with Harold Sylvester, who man who plays Griff, absolutely listen to it. 
so we've got the scene where Al and Kelly are dancing around, but they don't know each other is there yet. And they bump into each other and have a Looney Tunes-ish. <laughs> oh, sorry, Kelly. Oh, excuse me, Dad. But on boom you're here. <laughs> I was kind of trying to figure out where they were going with it. Did, did they mention the $100,000 prize I don't think in the they first did. episode? Steven? I don't remember if they did in the first episode. I don't either. <laughs> but I like the conversation that they have. Daddy, I'm in a contest, and he says that's horrible. That you know, I'm your father. It's I so don't like so that, on brand with Al Bundy. Well, then let's go get a new <laughs> bikini. <laughs> oh man, you know, if I started this right out of high school, imagine how many cans I'd have by now. <laughs> what am I talking about? I don't need cans. Once you win this pageant, I'm not going to be can man anymore. I'm going to be hundred grand man. <laughs> well, Daddy, I feel good. I feel strong. I think I can win. <laughs> Daddy, you got to do something. You got to do something, please. Kelly, we met the cutest lifeguards. <laughs> And they want to share a keg with us. Yeah, but only one, because we're on duty. <laughs> hey, how's it going, can man? <laughs> Just great, Jefferson. I'm counting on you to vote for Kelly. Oh, yeah, you got my vote out, but there are five judges. She needs three votes to win. So who are the judges? Oh, a couple former pageant winners and two of my fraternity brothers, Wong and D'Angelo. Well, that's no problem. We slip in 50 each and Kelly's in. Al, <laughs> well, brothers Wong and D'Angelo are beyond reproach. <laughs> beyond reproach and rounding second base. Jefferson, you've got to name me and Griff as judges. Oh, I don't know, Al. The only way that could happen is if two of the other judges became incapacitated. <laughs> now, you may remember me from TV. I used to play Theo on the Cosby show. I love you. I used to kiss the TV whenever you came on. <laughs> oh, Theo. I need to talk to you alone right now. Not now, Al. I'm with my number one fan. This involves 100,000 bucks. Bye-bye. Excuse us, gentlemen. Would you come here a second? Right this way now. So we get into the nit and gritty of the episode, the actual sp white trash spring break beauty contest. Kelly and so Kelly and Al are now on similar foot about why they're there, and Al really quickly agreed to this with I guess $100,000 is the price he'll pay for his daughter's dignity. I feel like yeah. it'd be much less. <laughs> that's what I <laughs> So that's a lot of money. I, did, I, I, would, I would be like, you know what? Okay, cool. <laughs> Even me, I, I would be fine with that. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, remember, he was willing to walk away from Peggy in Ship Happens Part 2 for $5. 
I thought it would be way more. <laughs> no, she said. I mean, I'm sorry. I thought it would be way less. Yeah. <laughs> Griff then likes to compare himself to somebody else. Theo on the Cosby oh. Show. <laughs> oh. I mean, yeah, but also, how stupid does she does he think these these women are? Apparently, stupid enough because she totally buys it. Yeah. Oh. There are two times women almost drop to their knees for our man Harold Sylvester. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Theo was played by Malcolm Jamal Warner, born August seventeenth or August eighteenth, nineteen seventy. He was an American actor, director, and producer, musician, and writer. I didn't know he was a musician. Of course, he's best known for his role as Theo Huxtable on The Cosby Show and as Malcolm McGee on the UPM sitcom Malcolm and Eddie. He also starred as Dr. Alex Reed in the sitcom Reed Between the Lines. And he currently stars as Dr. A.J. Austin on the Fox medical drama The Resident. He also co-starred with Wesley Snipes in Drop Zone, one of my a very low-key action movie about skydiving. I, I used to be a skydiver, so that movie was pretty accurate about skydiving. Good to know. Yeah. I mean, they must be... Okay, White Men Can't Jump was 92. Yeah. This episode aired in 96, so I guess they are trying to like bring up movies and stuff that had these people in them at the same time, just to... That's pretty interesting. They could have just said anybody, but... well. It's a, you know, Luigi has talked about this quite a bit, how we're just in pop cultural reference here in the 90s. And that's what Married with Children did. But True, but it also doesn't take away from the uh, no. humor and everything. Because I didn't get a lot of these references myself, first off. So, yeah, and it was still funny. <laughs> Thanks. For coming back to get me, guys. Uh, actually, we just came back for gas, and you happened to be there pulling a plow. <laughs> Wearing a bridal veil. It was hot out. Will someone turn on the radio? She... This is Jim Dixon reporting from a Miss Spring Break pageant in Fort Lauderdale. I'm with one of the judges. What is your name, sir? Jefferson Darcy. <laughs> I'm single and free to mingle. Can I can I just add that I was I thought the whole the whole like plot line of how they went back to get Hummer where they were like, we needed to get gas. It's like, there's no, there's no gas stations between Memphis and Atlanta, which is where they were on the map. Oh yes. Thank you for reminding me because in my head, I didn't think they did. I thought it was just, I thought it was a Hummerless, <laughs> but they, they just don't speak. Yeah. Hummer and yeah. Barney. <laughs> Well, Hummer does have some lines. I mean, I mean, not Hummer. I'm sorry, Barney. Yeah, Barney doesn't have any lines at all. Welcome, everyone, to the sixth annual Miss Spring Break Contest, sponsored by the new children's breakfast cereal, Nothing But Sugar. <laughs> now with Ritalin. <laughs> and I'm 
your MC, popular rock TV VJ, and star of three busted pilots for Fox, Dangerous Dan Inwood, ha! Thank you. The breakfast cereal, nothing but sugar, now with Ritalin. <laughs> Before we bring out the babes, let's meet our judges. Representing our TV, our former Miss Spring Break winners, Missy Cameron and Tammy Grandstaff-Hurd. What was first prize back then? A hundred grand worth of chocolate coins? <laughs> our next judge, frat boy extraordinaire, Mr. Jefferson Darcy, and ladies, he's single. Oh, thank you. Our next judge comes to us all the way from Taiwan. <laughs> Mr. Miyagi Wong. <laughs> and our last judge, from Fire Island, an organizer of last year's Gay Prince on Washington, <laughs> Carmine Cha-Cha D'Angelo. Oh, yes. But uh, basically, so now we have the episode that the writers really, really wanted. We've got Al and his friends who were last-minute replacements for the actual judges and have to take on their names. It's kind of montage-y. Um, how should we do this? How should we describe the, the rest of the episode? Well, I was going to talk... I'd like to talk about Mr. Miyagi Wong. <laughs> and you got to remember, too, and to set this up you know, for the judges... Jefferson's down there on behalf of his old fraternity. He is one of the judges. And Al wants to set it up so Kelly can win. And in order to do that, the other judges have to be incapacitated. <laughs> yeah, which I thought for sure that with most of Jefferson's stuff, that that was a lie. I didn't realize that that was his actual fraternity, but apparently he did. He was in a very uh, diverse fraternity. Yeah. Because um, anyway, they're, so they're incapacitated and they're being introduced still as the same judge. I loved Al because he is introduced as Mr. Miyagi Wong. <laughs> and he, oh my gosh, his face. Yeah, and he kind of bows like a Japanese person. <laughs> and this has to be a reference to Mr. Miyagi, played by Pat Morita in the Karate Kid movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the Karate Kid, the Karate Kid Part 2, and the Karate Kid Part 3, and the next Karate Kid in 1994. Ugh. Ugh. Who, who would have ever thunk a future two-time Oscar-winning actress would get her start in that movie? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're talking, we're talking uh, about... Uh, 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 listeners, we're talking about Hilary Swank, by the way. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. I forgot she was in that one. I never saw it, though. And it's, have, it's dreadful. You, yeah. Have you guys seen any of Cobra Kai yet? Yes. It's okay. no that is, it is it is how you do a reboot. It's incredible. It's perfect. And you know, I grew up on the Karate Kid. It was at the theater I worked at in high school, started out with small crowds and really grew. And I love it. And I love the way they've even redeemed the Karate Kid Part 3, which wasn't that great. It was okay, but uh, I love bringing Terry Silva back as well as um oh uh, Martin Cove. Mm -hmm. I don't want to I don't want to reveal anything. What about but still, the it's yeah. fantastic? Well, 
because I'm a little uh, I'm a little younger than you, Stephen, as we pointed out, my Karate Kid is sadly what I thought was a really, really, really good reboot, the 2010 one with uh, Jaden Smith, which proves that Jaden Smith is a good actor when his dad yes. is not directing. Mm. Never thought about that. And I'm a Jackie Chan fanatic. There is not a single time Jackie Chan is going to show up that I'm not immediately going to love. I, even if I admit the movie sucks, I'm happy if Jackie. Oh, Chan I love Jackie good. Chan. He's great. It's just that I don't. I never. I never saw. Those yeah, kids I never up. saw oh, the remake because I thought, how dare they? Yeah, really? I never saw it. I didn't want to see it because I'm thinking you're trying to remake an '80s classic, and it'd be the same as if someone they, were to make a remake. Or, pardon me. If someone were to produce a remake of of The Princess Bride, I would just say one thing: inconceivable. Well, I agree with you on that. That's a bad comparison, in my opinion, because The Princess Bride was an esoteric kind of sketch comedy kind of thing, and you really can't redo that. The Karate Kid was a very thematic, a theory-driven film with a lot of elements that could be redone, and I. Th- personally think you I, I liked it i liked the new one set in china where it's kung fu not karate and the relationship between Jaden and jackie chan really does have this kind of sim it has a similar emotional weight as miyagi and yeah. danielson uh what, yes Stephanie, I, did you see it i don't remember a lot about it though pick up your jacket <laughs> <laughs> hang up your jacket now take off your jacket I love. Oh, when he grabs Jay's bit, guys who who have seen it, I think you'll agree with me. Like once you see it, it's really amazing. Like I, the famous scene when he does wax on wax off and shows Daniel San that he's actually learning karate is replicated beautifully with, pick up your jacket and hang it up, and he just grabs Jane Smith's like, like wrist and smacks it. He's like strong, firm, and Jay's just like, oh shit, I'm being schooled here <laughs> it's so great <laughs> don't question the master all right so yes yeah, so al is mr miyagi wong and stefan who uh, did griff uh, wonder why you picked me to uh, do this because <laughs> you're on the episode get um, with it and our last <laughs> and steven took the first one sorry <laughs> um griff is as uh cha-cha d'angelo from fire island an organizer of last year's gay prance on washington <laughs> i love that <laughs> so this is a spoof on a million man march on washington <laughs> the million man march was a large gathering of african-american men in washington dc on october 16th 1995 called by lewis Farcon. It was held on and around the National Mall. The National African American Leadership Summit, a leading group of civil rights activists and the Nation of Islam, working with scores of civil rights organizations, including many local chapters of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, but not the National NAACP, formed the Million Man March Organizing Committee. The founder of the National African American Leadership Summit, Dr. Benjamin Chavez Jr., served as National Director of the Million Man March. I remember when that happened. And there have been uh, marches for gay rights on Washington. The last one was in 2009. I know that was when they to push to push Congress to approve the Matthew Shepard hate crime legislation, which they ultimately did. 
Now, there was no march for it, but there was a big demonstration uh, at the Supreme Court when they were hearing the uh, Obergefell v. Hodges, the case that legalized uh, same-sex marriage uh, across mm-hmm. the United States. And I was actually there. And if you go back on my Facebook page about uh, seven years ago now, you'll see pictures. Hmm. It was incredible. Yeah. Oh, wow. You were there? I saw those pictures. I didn't know that's what that was from. Good for you. What a great place to be on such an historic moment. It was. I mean, it wasn't like when they announced the ruling, but it was when they um, when they were hearing the case. It was just electric. Oh, oh. well, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. you were part of the movement that was happening and that good for you. Like, that's a huge thing. I love the idea that somebody 15, 20 years from now would be listening to this podcast and going, oh, crap. This was very soon after they legalized gay marriage. Can you believe it took till that time to do it? Yeah, and hopefully we don't, you know, backtrack. I'm a little worried on a side note, but whatever. Fingers mm-hmm. crossed. We haven't backtracked on a few things, so fingers crossed. I doubt we will on that. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> now let's meet our five contestants. Miss New York, Claudia Harrison. <laughs> Miss Atlanta, Scarlett Turner. <laughs> Miss Detroit, Marla Strong. Miss Beverly Hills, Angela Cohen. Well, she's got my vote. (laughs) Sorry, Al. Was a moment of weakness. Uh, How much for a lap dance? Final contestant, Miss Chicago, Kelly Bundy. Yes, so we move on we move down to our actual beauty contest, and we've got three we got five contestants uh, along with our main girl Kelly from Chicago. We have got from New York, Miss Claudia Harrison from Atlanta. Miss Scarlett Turner. And from Detroit, we've got Marla Strong. And from Beverly Hills, Angela Cohen. But our main girl from Chicago, Kelly Bundy. It's pronounced Chicago. <laughs> At least Kelly thinks so. <laughs> from Chicago, we've got Kelly Bundy. Where the wind is 35 myths. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, normally I try to avoid this kind of talk unless we have a female art, uh, record recording with us. But because it's a beauty contest, and that's literally what they're for, we can't pick Kelly, guys. Who's the most beautiful? Hmm. Ha <laughs> ha Didn't think that was coming, did you? I'll probably go with Miss Detroit. I would yeah, strong? What I would about agree. you, Stefan? Oh, see, something about Miss Atlanta... I don't know. It's that Southern Belle thing. And it's the little, like, uh, Scarlett Turner. It's the little, like, boop, boop, be doo like, thing she does when he announces her name. It's so cute. Yeah. I'd be like, give me my pen, paper. I'm voting. I was going to say, so with MTV Spring Break, Jerry Springer appeared on, he had a sub show on MTV Spring Break called Springer Break. 
I think I saw that. Yes, and one of the um, uh, portions that they did was Spring Break King and Queen, where there were couples competitions. And typically it involved them, like, somehow getting naked on stage. And (gasps) cut, cut this out, please, or make this a Patreon exclusive. No way. Keep going. Dare I say it watch I, I probably I mean I was probably too young to watch that you know and I was like you know 13 or whatever but it kind of you know I'm like this is hot and they're you know I'm like they're so hot and so cool and it's like it might have made me a little bit of an exhibitionist links to this episodes will be in the show notes <laughs> Become an exhibitionist like You Stephanie. can't, uh, I mean, uh, you, you can probably find clips of it on YouTube stuff. I think they're gone. But there was just like, and they had like these, um, another segment, Spring Break Fantasies, where people would do st- like crazy stuff on stage. And there was this one where there was this, this, this girl in a bikini, like covered herself in honey and rolled around on feathers. Uh, what the f- did this like prelude girls gone wild videos? Because this sure sounds like where this is headed. And I remember those infomercials Ugh. at midnight going, Am I allowed to mm. watch this? I wouldn't have been if they had known. But uh Anyways, that that's um, just a real like memory and it was like just really oh, just like, you know, the you know, as a kid, the closest thing, you know, you had to porn. Yeah. There was a, and that was here on Stefan's Real Memories. <laughs> I remember uh, this one, I think it was in the 90s, maybe in the early or mid-90s. And I caught a little bit of it, and it's kind of relevant because we're going to have this uh, person come up here pretty soon. But Joey Lawrence was pretty popular, and he was judging a bikini contest. I know where this is going. Yeah, and these girls came out, and they were just like barely dressed, and the camera went on. Um, Joey Lawrence and his mouth was like his jaw was dropped open and he was like shocked at seeing all these girls and I I heard someone comment on it years later that I think he went through puberty right at that moment yep but it was it's it was something just at the times of the time and it's not like you know that it's never been replicated unfortunately MTV has gone downhill for so many reasons and we can talk guys yeah, I'm so sorry, Stefan. I I just want to mention I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be putting this in right before you just brought that up because it's very important. Uh, you brought up you both brought up your spring break um, medium from the uh, uh, your spring break memories on television. Well, I have one too. I swear I saw it air and now and then it vanished and I had to find it again through a torrent. The banned Pokemon episode spring breaker i can't remember what it's called but basically it's where the the gang is for those of you never seen pokemon it's i'm not gonna describe it go check it out but the ash and his friends are at a beach and to earn money they kind of prostitute misty out on a spring on a uh beauty contest and she complains about the size of her chest and then team rocket shows up and james dresses up like a girl and gets fake boobs that he can inflate and they're like we're gonna get all the money not like you with your tiny chest and people are like throwing money at james as he's walking down the stage so this that episode aired around this 
around 94, 95. So you're right. Spring break, beauty contests, that kind of stuff was just in the zeitgeist. Pokemon's that old. Oh, it came out in 94. Oh. Because it, it, did, it didn't hit the U.S. till like, 99, I believe. True, but this was an episode that I saw this before it was released, and I think it never actually got aired but uh, in America because the version that I remember watching was subtitled in Japanese. Mm. But, like, yeah, beauty contests, that was just a thing we were all obsessed about for some reason for about a decade. Let's begin with the talent competition. It's time for no man to take a little break in the jiggly room. I'm the DJ and I'm gonna play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry with Children. Before the questions, we hear, which I cannot believe yes. they got this song for a part two, a very expensive song by Sidney Lauper, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. I thought for a while we were just going to hear the music, that do, 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 do. And I was like, they did not pay for Girls Want to Have Fun for this. And then she starts singing, and a girl is singing that song as her as her like talent and i think she, they what was the name of that chick who uh, uh which appeared that she was lip singing uh miss simpson ashley simpson i think they uh, ashley simpson her where she like screws up and then the song keeps playing for us and for uh-huh. people well of course of course and i i had that in my notes too i um yeah i remember the song being played in this scene and I thought, um, I thought, yeah, it was like a knockoff version, like kind of like if you ever saw there was that God, what is it's like this late '80s movie, like something like uh, the Night of the Comet. Have you ever heard I've of that? Seen it. I have heard of it. I've never seen it. There is a, a cover of Girls Just Want to Have Fun that sounds really similar. So I, I was expecting it was going to be that one, and it wasn't. But good on them and. Trivia, that is the that is like the number one and I think did it recently reached a billion views on YouTube, the music video. I wouldn't be surprised. That song was a huge, huge hit back in the back in the day. I remember when when Cindy Lauper was really on top of the world and that was one of the songs that put her there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want us to listen to how many famous songs might appear for the rest of the season because there might not be because they might have blown their music budget for the season. Uh, licensing girls just want to have fun. That was a expensive song back then and now. I agree. Ladies and gentlemen, 
May I direct your attention to the center stage? Miss Chicago will now blow a bubble. <laughs> Miss Beverly Hills will eat a banana. Maybe she's got a cute brother, Cha Cha. <laughs> Okay, ladies, you've proven yourselves to be incredibly beautiful, as well as very talented. So, uh, now let's see what you've got upstairs. Mm. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, uh... I love Dan Inwood. Let's see what you got upstairs. <laughs> no, ladies, don't, no, 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 as they start to take their tops off. <laughs> And going back to the beauty contest that we're having on this episode, something that stuck out to me when they were doing their performances like Girls Want to Have Fun and the one girl had a ventriloquist act, which is really dated. But, you know, I was amazed by all the subterfuge that these girl that Kelly's friends were doing to help her win, like blowing pepper in one girl's face. And even Mindy, you know, Lisa Picote, she participates in this stuff. She, they throw marbles down on one girl who's uh, dancing. And then they, and Mindy gets a, a magnifying glass and aims the sun on the, on the ventriloquist dummy and the hair catches fire. With the weird Star Wars, like, <laughs> 70s uh, special oh, effect. Oh, yes. I forgot about yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And then they go to the contestant questions. Let's move to the question and answer part of the competition. We'll begin with you, Mr. Detroit. Now, uh, your question is, what would you do to end world hunger? I would tell the hungry people of the world to take smaller bites and chew your food thoroughly. That way your food will last longer. <laughs> I love that... Okay, so these girls are stupid by normal or like they're like dumb bimbos from normal dumb bimbo style because the first girl goes what would you do to end world hunger and she says i tell the poor people take smaller bites and chew their food thoroughly <laughs> that would help that, <laughs> it's like uh, uh. and that is a over the top dumb bimbo question because at least she's answering the question correctly it's a dumb answer but it's a it's, it's relevant answer. it's a relevant answer yeah now miss chicago your question is what world leader do you most admire i would like to save the earth and the ozone layer thank you no thank you Our Kelly has to be the stupidest girl on the show, period. So somebody, we should keep a lookout for this, guys. If somebody is more stupid than Kelly, Kelly has to out-stupid them. I mean, I think I think uh, Amber comes close. Or no, 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 not no, Amber, uh, Ariel. Ariel. 
What was Ariel? Yeah, that's the girl who becomes Bud's girlfriend for a little while in season 11. You know, she was the one we interviewed not too long ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forget yeah. her. Good point. Jennifer Lyons, that's it. But, Spoilers. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that, that'll be out probably before our Tyler, you and I's last week. But it's the books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. The one girl does answer the question. And you, you have in the notes, and I have this in my notes too, Kelly's answer to so um to the question of the world leader you most admire, I like to save the Earth and the ozone layer. <laughs> that look on Al's face, yes, it's, it's great. The look on Al's face, it's a great example of what Amanda Burse uh, said about how Ed O'Neill would have been a great silent film star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Al, Ed O'Neill's got a lot of good ones in this episode uh, where specifically when he gets it, when he stands up and he's introduced as Mr. Miyagi, like the, it's the growing look of, oh, F me. <laughs> kind of, I didn't think about this kind of like idea. <laughs> well, now let's keep things bouncing with the swimsuit competition. We'll begin with Miss Beverly Hills. Vote for me and I'll marry you. Al, I'm voting for Angela, my new wife, and don't try to stop me. Now look what happened to you. You see what you made me go through? I didn't want to do it. And... Okay, I got to talk about this because it's one of my favorite things in this whole part is that Al has to keep reminding Grit that he's voting for Kelly. And one of the best ones was when the one girl, Angela, comes over to him and says, vote for me and I'll marry you. And Grit says, Al, I vote for my new wife, Angela, and no one, nothing can stop me. <laughs> was that before or after the one girl's eating a banana and throws a banana peel at him? Yeah, yeah after. Mm-hmm. this is a horny episode what can i say like it's (laughs) and then dan edward is ready to present the prize however someone else has to present the prize and now this year's miss spring break is kelly bundy No more cans for me. From now on, I just pick up champagne bottles. <laughs> and here to present you with your prize, TV heartthrob Joey Lawrence. <laughs> Whoa. Yes, uh, ch- TV heartthrob Joey Lawrence who is not on this episode, but is mentioned. So jo- so Joey Lawrence, born April 20th, 1976, is an American actor, musician, and game show host. He got his start as a child star in the early 1980s and is best known for his role as Joey Russo in Blossom. Lawrence also starred in the series Brotherly Love with his real-life brothers, Matthew and Andrew. And between 2010 and 2015, he starred in Melissa and Joey, a sitcom with Melissa Joan Hart that aired on ABC Family. But that's not who we got in this episode. Who's come swaggering in, Stefan? You know, Joey, without makeup, you 
He kind of looked like my dorky brother, Bud. <laughs> I am Bud, you, you beach blanket bimbo. Yeah, yeah you and the uh, three slutketeers thought you could just rip us off and leave us freezing in Chicago. Well, yeah. Now, think again. No one plays Bud Bundy and gets away with it. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Could you cry about this later, Bud? I'm about to be crowned Miss Spring Break. So get off the stage so I can get my prize. Okay. Mm. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. But first, uh... Gee, Joey. So Kelly says, Gee, Joey, you look, uh, you look more like my brother Bud. When you don't have makeup on, you look like my dorky brother Bud. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Bud responds, I am B Bud, you beach blanket bimbo and this is a reference to us uh, I think Luigi and Annabelle missed this because uh, you know I'm being the oldest one of this group I remember this movie Bleach Bank Beach Blanket Bingo it was a 1965 film starring Frankie Avalon <laughs> and Annette Funicello it was their fourth of their highly successful Frankie and Annette beach party movies a motorcycle gang led by Eric Von Zipper kidnaps singer star or singing star Sugar Kane, mangled by bullets, who hires skydiving surfer Stephen Bonney from a big drop for a publicity stunt. When the usual gang of kids and a mermaid named Lorelei, it was their fourth beach movie, often used as B movies for driving double features during the heyday of that era. I, I've seen that one. I saw a few of those, and they are just worthless movies. I mean, they're cookie cutters. Well, I wouldn't say they're worthless, but they're just mindless entertainment. That plot sounds like something like a movie they'd cover on How Did This Get Made. Yeah. If you've ever listened to that podcast. I. This sounds like a movie that you would see on Mystery Science Theater, for God's sakes. Like, I cannot believe that was an actual movie when I was looking at our research for this episode. I was like, that just sounds like something Bud would say to Kelly. I had no idea that it was an actual movie. It was a movie. And like I said, uh, it was before most of the people's, most of everyone's time, except for mine. Because you can see those types of movies on a Saturday afternoon in the 70s, you know, the mid-late 70s, even early 70s. <laughs> Thank you, Grandpa Stephen. I'm old enough to be a grandpa. Now, um, <laughs> oh, and, ha and happy, oh, yeah, I totally forgot, guys, little side uh, swipe. And for everybody on the uh, listening on the podcast, let's all wish Stephen a very happy belated birthday. Thank you. Happy, happy, happy birthday, happy Stephen. Birthday. It was a happy birthday. <laughs> I spent it in my birthday suit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what was the, uh, I was thinking we could all like, what's the one birthday song that pops into my head is the one from Futurama. Today is your birthday. Today is the day. It's Steven's birthday. What a day for a birthday. Now let's all have some cake. I don't remember that one. Well, you're not allowed, to, up until like 2010, you couldn't sing Happy Birthday, the actual song, because those horrible sisters from the South mm -hmm. copyrighted the dang thing. So every show and movie had to come up with a different, their own version of a birthday song, not the one we all sang. Right. Yeah, oh, I knew about that, but yeah, I'll tell you, it didn't stop anyone. People were still doing it at parties. Oh, you can do it at parties. You just can't do it on like a paid-for show or something. That way you have to oh, get I copyright yeah. music. Like... I totally forgot. I should have brought it up when we did Girls Just Want to Have Fun, but 
they probably had to pay for There She Is, Miss America. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to apologize for taking up your time. I, Joey Lawrence, <laughs> would just like to congratulate you, Kelly Bundy, and Judges Wong, D'Angelo, and Darcy. Otherwise known as her father, his shoe-selling sidekick, and our soon-to-be choked-out next-door neighbor. Is that better, Kel? <laughs> well, I guess my brother, uh, Martin Lawrence, is... has thanked just about everybody, so I guess it's time for me to uh, collect my prize and sing my coronation song, right? Okay. Here I am, Miss Spring Break. Here I am. There they are. Let's get them. Mr. Bundy, you're being charged with fraud and assault. Would you like a lawyer? Do, do you, you know any that take cans? <laughs> I think you need to mention Kelly's little line. I guess my brother Martin Lawrence had thanked just about everybody. Oh, yeah, that that shocked me. <laughs> yeah, well, tell us about Martin Lawrence. Yeah, well, Martin Lawrence, born April 16th, 1965, is an American stand-up comedian, actor, producer, talk show host, writer, and former Golden Gloves boxer. I didn't know that. Lawrence came to fame during the 1990s, establishing a Hollywood career as a leading actor, most notably in the Fox television sitcom Martin, and the films House Party, Boomerang, Bad Boys, Wild Hogs, Nothing to Lose, Blue Streak, Life, Big Mama's House, and A Thin Line Between Love and Hate. Thank you, Stefan, for that. But we are at the tail end of the episode where Kelly wins, but a lot of craziness happens in the last two minutes of the episode so marcy and the boys show up they the frat boys attack kelly's friends and bud drops the ball on everybody claiming who al is and who the friends are jefferson didn't do anything wrong because he's supposed to be there and griff is passed out i think and Al is arrested and for fraud and other crap, just hauled away. And meanwhile, Kelly, through a midst of hail of uh, beer cans and booze, walks around singing and on the stage, there she is, Miss America. I think you left out one thing that happened. What? Marcy is choking Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yes, yes. Soon to be dead, soon to be strangled. You mentioned Jefferson didn't do anything, but yes, he did. He lied to Marcy and also claimed he was single on the radio. I meant legally. Got it. Yeah, he didn't assume any name. He was supposed to be there, but you're right. He was not supposed to be there. Period. He was supposed to be a computer my- camp. Yes. I forgot about that. So weird. At, but it, at that point, Marcy, it's like, you know, come on. Just you you should know better than to believe mm-hmm. that. And with how this episode ends, I will leave that to my review. The only one who's a winner in this entire episode is Bud. And I kinda love that. It's like Me when Tom too. wins and Tom and Jerry. 
<laughs> it's it, it's nice when Bud comes out on top or underneath. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> He'll take it where, in either position. Right. So <laughs> I mean, so speaking of, we mentioned him in the last episode, and he still is on this one too. Uh, Chris Hardwick, you could kind of tell in this episode is when he started kind of almost making fun of himself, and you know he kind of made a career out of being this, you know, kind of like not a hack, but like, you know what I mean? Someone that just kind of like works consistently, you know, but doesn't really have an establishment like the, the, you know, the commentary shows that he does. And funny enough. So in the time between when we recorded the first part, I was watching the walking dead, the season premiere or the, the mid season premiere, I should say. And the commercial for the talking dead showed up, you know, where Chris Hardwick is on. And my boyfriend is like, he's cute. He is cute. Like, I will. I'll even admit that he's a good-looking man. Yeah. Perfect game show host uh, kind of look. Yeah, you know he he found he found his niche. You know, and good for him. He's kind of he kind of like the the perpetual. You know, like like Kathy Griffin. Her appeal for a long time was she was on the D list. My life on the D list was the show, and then she rose above that. Kind of, you know, got more work, and I feel like that's kind of where Chris Hardwick is and has always been. You know what would have been really interesting is if they had gotten Joey Lawrence to play the part of this host, but they still left the Joey Lawrence joke in there. Mm-hmm. So Joey Lawrence is a real person in the show, but they get but they get Joey Lawrence to play a part. I think that would have been pretty cool. Yeah, I think they shot their budget on Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm. No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page, for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Well, we're back for our reviews. So let's start with Steven. How many bowls of nothing but sugar, now featuring Ritalin, would you eat for this episode out of five? Well, I'm on a diet, but I still think that uh, I would uh, eat three and a half bowls. No, wait a minute. Make it four bowls of nothing but sugar. Uh, I thought this one was a lot better than the first one. The first one I gave a three, and I part of the, I think part of it was because there was too much emphasis on uh, Buzz Fraternity Brothers, and I didn't care for that, especially Ahmed. He got really annoying after a while, and I was glad there was far less of them in it. And I would add that Kelly's friends they're still active, but they're not. Yeah, they're still active in it. And I kind of like them, but they're at spring break. And that's the thing. Once you get all the characters there, you have Al, you have Jefferson, you have um, Griff, along with Kelly. They're all there. And then when Bud comes in, yes, now you have all the characters together. I can't even remember what Peg was in this one. Still, when you have those characters in there, I thought it was great. I thought they were having a good time. They were having fun, all of them. And you could tell they were having a lot more fun. with this. Definitely. Because mm-hmm. I guess it's probably 
you know, Florida, Sunshine State, as opposed to Chicago in the middle in the middle of March, which is can be really miserable. So, I thought this was a much better episode. I thought the writing was stronger, and the emphasis on, you know, the family members being there was a lot, lot better. So that's my rating four. Okay, Stefan. Yeah, I am inclined to agree with that. I give it four bowls of nothing but sugar with Ritalin. Yeah, I I always, as I've mentioned before, I love uh, episodes of sitcoms where people uh, travel, you know, where they they leave the familiar setting where the the show usually takes place and go uh, somewhere else. And I think this episode did it really well. And it certainly feels incredibly 90s, which I, I'm a huge 90s nostalgia freak. But this episode, especially, you know, for the concept of spring break, at least how it was presented in here with like the the spring break pageant and like the the party, you know, where everyone was dancing. Very, very 90s feel to it. Yeah, and I thought I thought it intersected well the the A and B plot, if you may. They the A and B plots intersected very well at the end. I think a a sign of good writing on a sitcom is when the A and B plots do eventually intersect at the end, and in this one they did uh, very well. So yeah, there's definitely some some great jokes as well. Uh, so I, I give it four bulls. Now, real quick, Tyler, I want to point out something because you've said this to me more more than once. And that is sometimes you wish you would listen to what the other people think before you make your rating. You just had your chance to do that. So I'm really interested to know how many bowls you're going to eat because you only had two and a half. Well, you only gave the last one two and a half. So what would you think about this one? Well, Stephen, I'm going to leave what you just said in the actual episode because you predicted my thought process very well. I was literally thinking right before I was about to speak was, man, I am so glad I listened to those two first because going in right after I watched this this morning, I watched it for the first time yesterday and then I watched it again and I both remembered both times feeling, huh, that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. I actually liked that. It was really good. But after listening and talking about the episode, it gets a half a bowl less than the last episode. I'm giving it a solid two. And here's why. This episode has a lot of funny moments in it. There are a lot of funny things that made me vocally laugh out loud by myself, which is a rare thing. You don't laugh out loud to yourself too often, but with this episode, I did. That car going across the map was hilarious. Um, all the jokes with the the beauty pageant, Kelly walking around with hails of beer cans and everything flowing over her, uh, Bud cuddling up with all of her fr- with all of her friends, I think. No, all the other contestants. It just all of that was great. However, I I have to I have to like bring out the problems that I had with it. And that is it's a part two and they kind of did what I believe they wanted to do rather than what they already kind of wrote themselves into. And this is going to sound weird. It's going to sound like what I recommend them going to be doing is going to make this a lower episode. And it probably would. However, 
I feel like I'm grading this like a paper rather than or in a screenwriting class rather than a successfully executed on a uh, desert, an enjoyment level. Because I personally think this, if you're going to have this awesome map and have Bud and his fraternity brothers driving across the country, then that needs to happen more often throughout the episode. We need to be cutting back to them. They didn't do that. Therefore, this should have episode should have began with Bud and his fraternity brothers and Marcy already at the beach, playing a little vice versa, where they have that idea where Kelly and Al don't know the other one's there. They could have done that a three-way. That would have been really funny, and these actors are dynamic enough where they could have pulled that off. And it's... The ending seems like it came out of nowhere, like they rushed it up, and Al being hauled away. Very Looney Tunes, and I get it. The show's heading in that direction. But the writing to me wasn't as tight, and it seemed a little scattered, and I had a little trouble remembering a lot of the stuff that happened in part one, and I specifically did not watch part one right before I watched part two. I treated this like I would have been an audience member back in the day, and having it aired a week in advance. So watching it one week and then watching it another week. This episode should connect the first one perfectly. And Stephen, as you brought up, the fraternity brothers, whether you like them or not, they were integral to the first part, and this is a part two. It's not, it's not spring break uh, episode. It's spring break part two. Therefore, it is a direct connection, and it doesn't really feel like that. So it kind of dropped the ball in a structural sense. And I'm just a nerd now, where that kind of thing bothers me, and it does. So big, two big heaping bowls of that Ritalin cereal because. Everybody is acting their butt off, and I loved it, and I loved the uh, the lulls. And on its own, I probably would have given this three and a half. But because it's a part two, and it doesn't really... It kind of drops the ball on a few things, in my personal opinion. I, I got it. Sorry, you guys should know how to do this by now. They did. and I And you know what? And to anybody who's probably arguing with me while they're listening to this right now, think of the... England episodes, part one, two, and three. How beautifully those three just, it's like one gigantic episode, beautifully outlaid a whole crazy story. That's an example, and they show that they can do that. And they didn't really do that with this one. So, sadly, two serials. I'm hyped up, but not as hyped as I should be. I was I was going to ask, yeah, if you think this would have worked as a three-parter. Yes. This episode should have been the one where at we're uh, mostly featuring the fraternity brothers. You hired these people, you got them, use them, and Marcy having crazy adventures getting there. And we slowly, every once in a while, jump back to Kelly and Al almost meeting each other. And Kelly and Al meet each other, finally realizing they're there at the end of part two. And then the boys and Marcy show up at the end of part two. And then part three is the craziness that ensues. The whole episode's the beauty contest. I don't know. Maybe Marcy gets entered in by accident. That'd be great. great. My eyes! That'd be a poultry contest. (laughs) See? Right there. Yeah, you got it. But, uh, yes. Finger-licking good contest. But, yeah, so... I didn't think about this until you guys talked about it, and I was just shaking my head at a lot of the stuff you guys were saying. So, <laughs> when you brought up the writing, Stefan, I was like, but that's the bad part! 
<laughs> no, it's not. Well, not the writing, but it's the structure of it, in my personal opinion. And again, personal opinion, personal taste. Maybe somebody out there agrees with me. Maybe y'all hate me. I don't care. I've had, <laughs> I've. I don't hate you, but I'm close to it. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. We'll do a poll uh, when we post it on Facebook. Who hates Tyler? Comment below. I thought we were going to take a vote. <laughs> there he is, Mr. Podcaster, telling what people think they should know. No. All right, so that pretty much ends Spring Break Parts 1 and 2. This is we're closing it out with Part 2. Tune in next week when it looks like Luigi and Chris will be reviewing Turning Japanese. Ooh, that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, Marcy has to go on a speaking tour to promote the Japanese bank that uh, she works for. So that should be a good one. Lots of 90s fury in the Japanese takeover of America jokes. Yeah. Then we got Al goes to the dogs and then, oh my God, enemies. Speaking of uh, Pat Morita, because he's in that the next episode. That's right, he is. Mr. Miyagi himself. And I actually remember watching a little bit of Turning Japanese as a kid. I remember the scenes in the strip club where, like, you got Al and, or, like, like Jefferson Bud doing, like, the conga line and Jefferson, like, coming down the pole. I remember those as a little kid watching that. <laughs> yeah. Random. So thanks again, everybody. Join us next week for an exciting episode of the Merry with Children podcast. See you later, guys. <laughs>